0: Good morning, everybody. My name is Adam. Now, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Brett are currently off-island, taking some much-deserved and needed family time. So they're visiting family in the States, and they miss you all very much, As I'm sure all of us, we miss them so much. But they will be back with us soon. But um, I, in preparation for, for today, I was, I, was, I was praying to God. And I really wanted him to show, show me first, in my heart, what to preach. Um, I, I tend to, whenever I'm looking for a message to preach, I, I usually draw from my own personal experiences. And those experiences help me relate better with other people. And when I was preparing this week the, for this message, God kept on bringing around this, this certain thing in my life and I didn't want to preach about it because I, I, I just, I didn't, I, I didn't want to preach a message that, that might seem like I was complaining and honestly, if I'm, if I'm honest with you guys and honest with God, I've done a lot of complaining in the past few months <laughs> and I think that it's sometimes healthy to uh, confront that, maybe not even confront it but explore it more. So, in, in this message, I want to talk about how it is that we measure our life. Do we measure our life with anything that we can accumulate here in the earth? Do we measure the value of life by, I don't know, how much stuff you can give away? Do we measure life by the length or the quality? It's kind of a funny concept, and, and honestly, if we go to other parts in the world, each culture has their own measure for the value of life. Now, I want to talk today about a man that the Bible says that had a very good life. Now, when I say his name, you're probably going to look at me, if, if you've been in church for a long time and you know his story, you're going to wonder, why would I talk about this man today if... I'm talking about having a good life. And I'm going to talk about the man named Job. Now, Job was an extraordinary man. We don't know a whole lot about him, but we do think that it was written a very, very long time ago, like around the time that Genesis was written, or during that time. And and Job, his life was so... Everybody knows the story of Job for all the bad that happened to him. But if we just read the first verse and the last verse of Job, we find that it says this. In Job 1.1, There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. And the man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. And the last verse And Job 42.17 says, And Job died, an old man, and full of days. Now, when we think about what a successful life is, or what a good life would be, we probably think of living an upright life, and having everything that you need. Living a full life. In the first chapter, it goes on to explain that Job was a very wealthy man. That he had a lot of riches. And... At the end of the story, in Job 42, we find that Job is a wealthy man, <laughs> even wealthier than the beginning, and he had a lot of riches. But there's something that, that happens in the middle, between verse 1 and the last verse. And that's, that's basically what I want to talk about today. Now, when I mentioned that we all m- like to measure life, we uh, think it's something that's ingrained in us from an early age. We go to school, and... Whether they teach it to us or not, we start to measure ourselves with our other classmates. We start to measure our grades. (laughs) I I taught sixth grade um, over the past six months, and all the the students wanted to know, not only just how well did they do on their exam, but what did their classmates get as well. (laughs) That was the first thing they did. They wanted to see who got the highest score. Now, then it continues onward when we go to college. For those that go to college, you know they, they want the best opportunities and how do they compare with their other classmates and then we graduate and we start looking for the best job, the best spouse, the best car. It's something that we like to compare ourselves to see how we're really doing. Now, the story of Job simply mentions in the last that it was, he was old and full of life, that he had lived every single day to the fullest. And it, it, to be honest, we, for those that know the story of Job, you know what happened to him. And I think everybody can relate to Job because we, we all live in the same world, <laughs> We all know that there's suffering in this world. We all know that there's problems, there's sickness, there's diseases, there's hate, there's war. And, and all those things affect us, and it can affect how we measure our life. I would suggest that, that we live in a time like none other, where the depression and the disappointment in life is so high because we have so many different ways that we like to compare our lives with other people. I mean, all you have to do is take out the phone that's in your pocket and open up any social media app, and it's an immediate comparison game sometimes. and We don't, we don't plan on thinking like that, and we don't want to compare our lives like that, but I think it's something innate, something that's just in us, that we always try to compare my life with the other person. Now, Job was upright, and he was very wealthy. But honestly, that's not why we know his name today, because there's been a lot of upright and wealthy people in the past, and we don't remember them. There's a lot of people that would say, That is what I am pursuing in this life. I want to be upright. I want to have strong moral convictions. And yeah, I'd like to have plenty. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. However, when we start to measure our life based on that scale, I think it's very easy to become disappointed when life throws us a curveball. Now, We don't know Job because he was wealthy and rich. We know Job because Job knew God. And the only way that Job was able to know God the way that he did was that he had to live through a virtual hell on earth. He had some very tough times. And let's let's start out with just this really incredible bad day that Job had in Job 1. I'm going to read... Uh, quite a long passage in Job 1, verse 13 through 22. I'm going to have it up on the screen and you can also listen along. Job one, thirteen. It says, now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their older, oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabians and the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there was another that said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. It fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshiped. Now, that's an incredible response. It really is. I mean, he just got news that basically all his possessions and his children were taken away from him, like within a matter of minutes. (laughs) And it goes on to say that he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all of this, Job did not sin or Charge God with wrong. Now, I mean, honestly, I don't think I would have been like Job there. <laughs> I think I would have broken in the first <laughs> bad news. But there's something that, that I've seen personally and I've seen with other people that sometimes we handle news, bad news, good initially. <laughs> but then it starts eating away at us. It's much like like one time I was in a car wreck and it was a really bad car wreck and it had flipped several times the car had and I was so caught up in the moment and had so much adrenaline running through me that I didn't notice that I had this huge, like, wound on my face. <laughs> and I was just so focused on trying to help my friend that was in worse shape than me and I did not notice that I had this wrong with me until the next day, really. I started feeling, oh, this has really hurt. My eye turned red. It, it was a pain that came kind of after the fact. And we've also heard of the stories of, of the soldiers that are on the battlefield, and they somehow, they, they get shot in the leg, and they're still able to carry out their fallen brothers and take them to safety. And then you hear about the pain of the rehabilitation and the tears that they cry to try to regain full function of their leg later. I think that happens to us spiritually as well. Sometimes we can take a blow, and we deal with it really just in an amazing way at the beginning. We can, you know Somebody quotes us a Bible verse or sends us the right song, and we're, we're like, oh, yes, I'm going to be able to show my faithfulness to God through it. If maybe. <laughs> But then later, when, when the pain doesn't go away, and like Job still he still had no sons and daughters, he, he still had no oxen, he still had lost basically everything. And I bet that it started to wear away at him. And we see in, in that his life got even worse in Job two seven. I think this is when Job started really kind of confronting what had actually been going on. It says, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery in which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, it's fast to just read through that, and you're like, wow, Job is an incredible man, because, I mean, not only did he lose everything, his wife is telling him just to curse God and die, he's got sores all over his body, and notice that he responds to his wife in a way saying, no, I'm going to stand firm in my beliefs that we have a good God. But notice the difference that it says in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. I bet there's a lot of internal dialogue going on there. I bet that he would say, okay, I'm not going to say it out loud, but God, why are you doing this to me? Are you still there? Are you still good? God, why is this happening to me? And Job appeared healthy, Spiritually, on the outside. But I think on the inside there was something that started to rot. Now, before I moved to Cayman, my family lived in Lima, Peru. And a part of the reason why I loved um, Lima so much was the, the availability of plants and orchids. Now, I, I love plants. I grew up In a small town in Georgia where we had lots of woods and forests to run around in. And when I moved to Lima, this was like a desert wasteland where nothing grows unless you plant it. But it's really close to the rainforest. And so they would bring these beautiful lush plants. And I, I grew to really love orchids. So much that I, I started to amass a collection of all these different species of orchids. And it was, it was a weird thing that I used to do. I don't know why my wife put up with it. But I loved it, and still today I love them. But um, I had this one in particular. It was my first orchid. And they're putting a picture up there so you can see how beautiful it was. But I, I grew to, to, like, love this plant, so much that I would take pictures of it all the time, like that one, and I would, like, every time I wanted to take a picture of my kid, I'd also make sure that the orchid was in the background, <laughs> you know, and I would send it, like, send it to my friends, and some would be like, oh, cool plant, and others would be like, why are you sending me this? And I just, I really liked this plant, and I had it in a place in our house where I would go out every morning with my coffee, and I'd sit, and I, I'd read, and and I would look at this plant as well and admire its beauty. <laughs> well, one day I was admiring its beauty, and I noticed something that troubled me. There was this trail of ants that was coming from the wall, and it was going up to the orchid, into the pot, and I jumped up to see what, why these ants were going there. And when I moved the pot, uh, this, like, massive ball of ants just started coming out. And I was like, no, my prized orchid is infested with ants. And I started examining it more, and I took it to the sink where I could, you know, open it up. And I found that there had been just this, like, nest of ants that has been growing inside of this plant, inside of its roots. That a lot of the roots were brown, were soggy, were rotting. And that my plant, it was so beautiful on the outside. I mean, it had beautiful flowers. It had two flower stems that came out, and they were full of these purple flowers. And it looked so beautiful on the outside, but I didn't realize that there was something on the inside that was killing it. And it's, it's very easy for us to identify what is wrong. Because there was obvious that the roots and the potting substrate was killing the plant, so we needed to remove that immediately. And so I began, like a surgeon, <laughs> cutting away the rotten roots, removing the infested substrate. And it was left with just a couple healthy roots, and I began to care for it. Now, as I learned through a lot of Wikipedia and Google <laughs> Plants will sometimes um, kill themselves to, to release their flowers because it still had a lot of beautiful flower buds left. And what that plant was going to do, if nothing, if I weren't going to do anything to it, was simply to continue to bloom, to finish blooming, and it was going to put all its resources and all its energy to the last few flowers, and then most likely it was going to die. Now I loved that plant so much and I wanted to care for it and I didn't want to just have it for its blooms. I wanted it because it was my first plant (laughs) and I had grown this weird sort of affection for it. So I had to do something that was very difficult. I had to cut the flowering stalk, cut off the blooms so that the plant would focus on digging down deep new roots. Now, how does this have to do with Job? <laughs> you know, I think that Job was still trying to be like this beautiful flower. And forgive me if I push this metaphor too much, but he was beautiful on the outside. He was showing that he was strong and, and, and had lots of fruit. And even though he was rotting away, <laughs> he was still going to be strong, still was going to show... These beautiful flowers, his praise to God. He wasn't going to sin with his lips, but there was something inside of him that was still killing him. And I think God had to continue to clip away, to prune Job's life, to let him pass through this difficult, horrible time so that Job could actually become more healthy. So that he would be able to come back from this to be a man that dies old and full of days. You know, God sometimes interrupts your life because he loves you. And you might think that this interruption is a punishment. You might think that this interruption is just Satan trying to tear you down, but a lot of times it's from the loving hand of a father. A lot of times the pain in our life is not the whip of the executioner, but is the scalpel of a surgeon that wants to remove something that is festering inside of you. You know, a lot of people wonder Where is the merciful God in Job's life? Where's the God of mercy here? Because all I see is just pain and torment. He's losing everything. And God seems to be watching, kind of like stepping back to see what happens. Now, I have a video that I want to show you guys, and it's from this this pastor who relates a lot to Job. And so... If the media works, I'd like to show it now.
1: God, how can I be loving you, serving you, giving you my life, giving you my best, walking in obedience, walking in faith and love, pouring my life out for the gospel, and take a hit like this. I didn't have a theology for that. I found myself in the darkest place in my life. Nobody had any answers. And all I had was this. For five years or so, my prayer life was basically three words. I love you. Discover. To the smallness of what you know. If God had not interrupted Job's life and if Job had not walked through a living hell we would never have heard of the man. But because it all shook down and he stood and said I love you, I worship you. In his darkest hour the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 11 verse. God, to leave you alone. Lord, do not leave me alone. I have got to know you. I have got to see you. I have got to have you. And I want everything you've got for me. Lord, do not leave me to myself. Interrupt my life if you have to. Test me if you have to.
0: when I saw this video for the first time, it was a powerful moment for me. It was powerful because I remember saying to God, God, why is this all happening? Why did I lose what I had? Did I do something wrong to deserve this? And Man, I realized that if I had not passed through my relatively small trial, I would not know God like I know God today. I would not know that he is a provider if I never had need. You know, um, we have two small children, too, and and... There's been a lot of days, I'm sure all your parents have gone through times where they're sick or, you know, any hospital stays, and it it scares you, (laughs) and you're just praying to God, God, heal them, heal them, please. (laughs) And a lot of these tough times that we go through, we go through them, and whenever we get to the other side, we we just tend to think of, I'm glad that that's done, let's go on with the good life now, (laughs) but we don't understand that God is working through those tough times so that we learn to love him more, that we understand more of his heart. You know, it's, it's obvious to know the sin in our life or things that need to be cut away. But there's other things in our life that, that God has designed so that we will seek him more so that we will understand him more, so that we won't just try to live this life without running to him. If we were to somehow weigh, if we had this magical scale where we could weigh, you know, the rewards of of having everything that we've ever wanted on this earth, (laughs) all the wealth, all the, the health, all, you know, Great things to wish for on one side. And on the other side, we are able to weigh an eternal love and knowledge of our Creator. I wonder which is more important to you today. It's a that, that same question I I said to myself <laughs> because I was wanting just a A fix, a solution for my problem. And God was saying, I have something better for you. I want to teach you. I want to show you my face. Now, Job, in chapter 42, towards the end of the book, and you know, Job breaks down in the middle of it and, and he really starts saying, God, I don't know why this is happening to me. I am a righteous man. And it's something that, that I think a lot of self-righteous people say that, and they never want to publicly admit to that. And it's funny because this week I was talking to my wife about this, and I told her that I used to think I was a very humble man. But this situation that, that we had to go through, I realized that I had so much pride rotting away inside of me. And there was this pride that was going to bring me down. (laughs) And God was merciful by clipping that off so that I could confront it and understand (laughs) that I was not a humble man. And I don't think any humble man would say that they're humble either. (laughs) In Job 42, verse 5, he says, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. What a beautiful statement. <laughs> it's like you coming to church and, and you hearing this message of a loving creator and, and sending his son, and, and you know it because you've heard it before. But when you actually experience it, when you actually see it with your own two eyes, It—it something's different about that, right? Doesn't that just connect in you and, and change you? Having a revelation like that? Interrupt my life if you have to, God. In Isaiah 30, verse 20. It's this verse that has been following me around. <laughs> And whenever my wife and I were making the decision to move to Cayman, this verse was given to us two times by two different people. And we felt like it was given to us that God wanted us to know this. And I'm understanding it more each day. (laughs) And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. You know, life isn't about just figuring things out. And, and it's really about getting to know our creator. And sometimes we're going to have to pass through adversity and affliction in life and we can decide how we're going to get through it. We can decide, okay, I'm going I'm to still be faithful to God, and I'm going to trust that he's, he's doing something through it. But there's another way that you could say, God, I, I know that you're good. Teach me through this. I want to know you more. I don't want to stay the same way. I want to grow through this. I'm going to go ahead and ask for Mark and the worship team to go ahead and head up. I'm closing. But When I was just graduated from college, I um, I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to be a missionary so bad, <laughs> I started selling all my things and I applied for a missionary program, and I was denied, and I was confused, saying, God, why have you put this in my heart to serve you in this way and not made it happen? I was confused for a long time, so much that I started to try to find a way to do it myself. So I moved to Peru. I I bought a plane ticket for two months, and I just never took the return trip, (laughs) I stayed in Peru for eight years. And through that time, man, I saw some amazing things. And God provided in amazing ways, and he led us to have these encounters with people and getting to know um, other churches, other pastors. That's how I met Pastor Ryan, was down in Peru. <laughs> and I was seeing how I was I was I was building my life up kind of like that, that orchid that I had. <laughs> it was had a lot of flowers. It had a, a lot of growth. But I didn't realize that there was something rotting away inside of me, this pride of, I got it. <laughs> and that pride inside of me would have kept growing until it would have killed me and I think about how much it hurt me to cut away the flowers of that plant. (laughs) And now I realize that God did the same with me. And I can trust Him that He is a good and merciful God and that He is taking care of me. And I'm learning more and more about what is truly important. It's deep roots. (laughs) Roots that go deep, that will hold me solid and firm not focusing on what's on the outside if you allow me I'd like to pray for us all now God I thank you that you're always so good and merciful to us we can bless your name we can, we can say that we trust in you because you're a good God and even though there are things that happen in our life there are sicknesses and there are are times of of need in our life and we don't understand why this is happening, what is going on, (laughs) I pray that anybody that is feeling that, that they would just cling to you through this, that in their hearts, that you would just start taking out anything that just doesn't belong there, like a crucible, just a furnace that burns away, These things that are holding us back, God. I pray for each and every person that's in this room. I pray that they don't have to go through times like that. But I pray that they would say this simple prayer of, God, if you need to, interrupt my life. Teach me and show me what it is that you want to do with my life, God. And let me believe that you're a good Father that will see it through.
1: We thank you for your word. It's in your name that we pray, amen.